0: To make it in today's business world, you've got to dress for success. The same could be said about your spiritual life in Christ. To live the Christian life successfully, you need to dress for spiritual success. That is, you've got to put off the vices of the flesh and put on the virtues of the spirit. In other words, lay aside that old, filthy garment that is stained by the flesh with sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Then put on kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Accessorize your spiritual wardrobe with love, forbearance, and a commitment to harmonize with others in the body of Christ. Are you dressed for spiritual success? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: Are you dressed for spiritual success? Hello and welcome to this Thursday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis, always glad to have you with us. Well, before you can put on the garments that lead to spiritual success, you may have to take off a few things. Ron tells you all about this wardrobe change next as he continues his teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. To listen anytime, on demand, visit somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org and stick around after today's message when Ron joins me to talk about an important new resource he wants to share with you. But first, let's join him as he shares his message, Putting On Your New Self.
0: When I was a senior in college at Purdue University, like a lot of seniors, I began my senior year setting my sights on uh, getting a job. And like a lot of universities, Purdue had a placement center and what you did back then and I suppose now is your senior year, you get registered at the placement center. And corporations from all over the country and re- really around the world would come and, and interview uh, potential graduates. And uh, I remember beginning of my senior year, my parents helped me uh, get a, an interview suit. You know, that guys, that blue suit, that white shirt, and you had to have the red tie, the power tie, right? That's how you went into an interview back then. Uh, for my degree program and for what I was going into, which was sales and marketing, I one of the coveted interviews on campus was with the Xerox Corporation. Now, you got to understand, back then, Xerox sales training was the industry standard. And maybe it still is today, I don't know, but a lot of companies Uh, even other than Xerox, used Xerox sales training to train their sales force. But Xerox was coming to campus, and I signed up and hoped to get an interview, and I got an interview with Xerox. I was so excited. The day before, though, I I realized as I was getting ready for the interview, I hadn't taken my one white shirt to the dry cleaners to have it properly cleaned and pressed. Uh, It was laying over here in my laundry pile, and I didn't have an opportunity to take it to the dry cleaner. So I did what every, you know, college student does. You grab it out of the pile there and you get the ironing board and you do this, right? It wasn't that dirty because I just used it the week before for another interview award for an hour or two. But, you know, I did the ironing board thing, showed up for my Xerox interview the next day and the interview went well. In fact, at the end of the interview, the guy who came to campus uh, offered me a second interview, which meant going to their regional offices. And so I thought it went really well. We finished the interview. I shook his hand. Before he let go of my hand, though, he says, by the way, when you come to our regional offices, make sure you send your shirt to the dry cleaners and have it properly cleaned and pressed, I thought. Well, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a very good point. I was dying on the inside. Because back then, and maybe even still now, the Xerox Corporation was one of those companies you dressed for success, right? Now, I know a lot of corporate, uh, you know, things that we wear in the business world has gone more casual. But back then, oh, you, you know, Xerox and IBM and companies, like you dressed for success. And he was telling me, when you come to the corporate offices, you make sure your shirt is properly pressed. Okay, I got the, I got the point. Well, this morning, I don't want to talk to you about dressing for corporate success. I want to talk to you about dressing for spiritual success. Are you dressed for spiritual success? That's the question of the morning. I think that's the question the Apostle Paul is getting at here in Colossians chapter three verses five through 17 because he's gonna tell us to put off some things and put on other things and it's the picture of taking off your old ragged clothes and laying those aside, and putting on your new clothes, uh, putting on your new self, laying aside your old self, and putting on your new self. I've titled the message, Putting on Your New Self, but if I had uh, a chance at a second title, it would be dressing for spiritual success. Now before we get to the hows and to the text, let me just kind of tell you where we are in our study of Colossians and where Paul is pretty common to Paul's New Testament letters and to his writings is that he he deals with his theology first. He lays out his doctrine in the first half of the book. And he's pretty much done that in in the book of Colossians through chapter 3 and verse 4. And uh, he says in so many ways, Jesus is greater than. He takes on the false teachers who were talking about a less than Jesus and and he takes them straight on and and there's just been some wonderful and rich theology that Paul gives us. But Paul's theology, his orthodoxy is never far from his orthopraxy, all right? Uh, Paul can scale Mount Everest when it comes to theology and I love it when somebody can do that but at the same time, you don't want to scale... Uh, Mount Everest in theology and and distance yourself too much to the everyday practical realities and the the ethical realities and demands of living out the Christian faith. In other words, how do we put this all into practice? So what? Why why does this even matter? And beginning in verse 5 of chapter 3, Paul begins a discussion of how all this impacts our daily life how we're getting down to the getting down, right? This isn't uh, the ivory tower anymore. This is real uh, practical application of the good theology he's given us up to this point, including how we talked last week about um, our new identity in Christ. And uh, here, here come the implications to that. So with that in mind, let's talk about now dressing for spiritual success. What does it look like to take all the good theology that we've learned in our study of Colossians, put it into practice in a way that we live the Christian life successfully? And Paul gives us five instructions that I want to share with you this morning. First of all, and I'll begin negative because that's where he begins. Before we put on the new self, a positive way of saying it, he tells us put off something else. I say put off the vices of the flesh. Here's how Paul says at beginning in verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices." Again, I say, put off the vices of the flesh. Later Paul's going to say, you know, lay these things aside like you're laying aside an old, dirty old garment, because now you need to dress for spiritual success and to put on some other things. Uh, He uses some stronger language, though, beginning in verse 5. He doesn't just say, put it off or lay it aside. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then he pulls no punches by talking about some of those earthly things that defined the old you and the old me. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry. Yeah, not quite the dirty dozen, but boy, you get, you get a sense of the old self. Put this to death, he says. Put to death what is earthly in you. Kind of reminds me of Romans chapter 6 that tells us we are dead to sin, but alive in Christ. Remember, we are fundamentally identified with the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That means we are, we are dead to sin, meaning sin is no longer master over us. It's no longer calling the shots in our life. You don't have to answer to the old sin master, but you are alive to Christ. Here he says, now we have a responsibility to, in a practical way, put some things to death. We've died to sin, but you've got to put it to death every day as well. Now, it kind of reminds me of a phrase that I sometimes hear in our culture today. It's not a real nice thing to say to somebody else, but it applies here. So just hang with me a bit. But have you ever heard somebody say, or have you said to somebody else, you're dead to me? It's a way of saying to somebody, this relationship is over. You're dead to me. I didn't say it was a kind thing to say. Every relationship has its redeemable qualities, right? But I use that because I think that's kind of what Paul would say to us here. You need to say to your old self, maybe characterized by sexual immorality and impurity, all that is earthly in you, you need to say, you're dead to me. This relationship with sexual immorality and impurity and passion and evil desire and covetousness or greed and I, I, I'm, done, I'm done with this relationship, okay? Fundamentally, I have a, a new identity and a new relationship, and I'm living out of that, but you're dead to me. This is what Paul would say. And he would say that there are a couple of reasons for that. Not only are we dead to sin, but alive to Christ, but he goes on in verse 6 to say, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. That's a kind of an ominous thought, the wrath of God, coming against those who are practitioners of sexual immorality and so forth. He's not saying that the believer in Jesus Christ is the object of God's wrath, because we're not. As believers in Jesus, Uh, We've been rescued from the wrath of God and from His condemnation. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ, but to those who are not in Christ by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the wrath of God is coming upon these things. Paul is setting up this argument that these kinds of activities, these kinds of behaviors are unbecoming of the believer in Jesus Christ. He says in verse 7, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. Notice the past tense. And what he's saying is this, this, this sort of lifestyle, these earthly things are unbecoming of a believer in Jesus. He says, put them to death. You're dead to me. This relationship is over.
1: Still ahead, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and listen to Ron's messages on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out Something Good courses where you'll find Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. That's Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, where you'll discover what being a disciple of Christ is all about and learn how to help others grow in their faith. As believers in Christ, there are some things we are asked to put to death and others we are asked to put away. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, putting on your new self.
0: He goes on to list other things. He moves from sexual sins to what we might call social or relational sins. Verse 7, or rather verse 8, but now you must put them all away. He goes from put them to death to the clothing picture of laying aside the old garments. You must put them away. Now he lists, get this, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. He goes on to say don't lie to one another. Again, actions and behaviors that are unbecoming of who you are in Jesus Christ now. Uh, It's interesting in the list of sexual sins, uh, the word impurity is the Greek word pornea. (laughs) Where, Where do you think we go with that in our culture today? Sexual immorality is rampant in our culture just as it was in the first century. And new believers in Jesus Christ had to now pursue a life of purity, understanding, of course, that sex is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. He created us in His image. He made us male and female, and then He told us, be fruitful and multiply within the context of the marriage relationship, which He also created the institution of marriage, which is defined biblically as one man with one woman for one lifetime. Any sexual expression outside of one man with one woman inside the context of the marriage relationship could be defined as sexual immorality. It's rampant in our culture today, but should not be named among, you know, believers in Jesus Christ who are to pursue purity. Likewise, these these social sins, even sins of the tongue, we don't get as shocked by these. I wonder why that is. He begins with anger and wrath. there are two Greek words in that language that can be translated anger, two kinds of anger, orge and thumos. Uh, Orge is that uh, deep-seated anger, that root of bitterness. You can never detect it on the outside, but it's been lingering there for days, maybe weeks. Maybe even years you've been holding a grudge against somebody, and you're orgay. You're angry. Thumas is that you know spark of uh, of uh, loss of temper. You know it's very visible. I always say I'd rather have somebody be thumas toward me than orgay toward me. I, I I can't detect the orgay. Maybe through passive aggressive kinds of activities, you know, but it's never visible. He says, anger and wrath. He goes on to malice, you know, that, uh, that, that intentional kind of getting back at you. Uh, then he talks about sins of the tongue, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. He says, don't lie to one another. We could go on to talk about you know, gossip and backbiting. You know what backbiting is? It's when you talk about somebody negatively behind their back. Come on now. Let's have a face-to-face conversation. And and what he's saying is, uh, you know, this is all part of the old you, and it doesn't define who you are in Christ anymore. You got to lay that aside. You got to put that to death. You got to say, this relationship is over. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. Now, I know that's you know, uh, a process in the Christian life, we call that sanctification. There's one sense that we are sanctified, there's another sense in which we are being sanctified. And not one of us is perfect in this, but Paul is saying here, if you want to dress for spiritual success, put on the new self. Not the improved you, but the brand new you in Jesus Christ. Uh, I remember uh, Back when Catherine and I were dating, <laughs> uh, I, had, I had a pair of gold shorts, gold denim shorts that I liked to wear. And this was back during the era too where tube socks were popular, you know, the ones that were kind of mid-calf or just below the knee, the white socks with the, you know, the colored rings around them. You know, you put that with a good pair of tennis shoes and a nice shirt and I'm, I'm ready to go out on a date, honey. And my wife, every time I showed up in those gold shorts, she just kind of looked at me like, you got to be kidding me. And we had this thing going on, especially during our time of engagement. She wanted me to get rid of them. I said, no, I really like these. I'm comfortable in them. And I probably wore them too often because I didn't have that broad of a wardrobe. But when we got married, I went looking for my gold shorts one day and they were missing. (laughs) I, (laughs) I learned she had thrown them away. She had taken my precious gold shorts, I felt so good in, and those tube socks, and, and she, had, she had gotten rid of them. She put them to death somewhere. And that's what Paul's saying here put these things to death. Warren Wearsby says these sins belong to the old life and have no place in our new life in Christ. And he's right. Now let's uh, go on to number two. If Paul says negatively, put off the vices of the flesh, positively put on the virtues of the Spirit. Pick it up in verse 12 where he says, "'Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive.'" And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Don't you want that list to describe you more than the two previous lists? I I, I certainly do. And don't you want the community of faith that we are a part of here at this church uh, for that that list I just read to describe our community of faith? Not not the previous one. Of course we all do. He he says you're going to have to put to death these things and put off these things, put off the the vices of the flesh, and put on the virtues of the Spirit. Really, what he's talking about here is an extreme spiritual makeover, right? We're dressing for spiritual success. And it has to do with the virtues of Jesus Christ uh, being true of us. Now, this, this list that we find in verses 12 uh, through 14 or so, which has, you know, compassion and kindness and humility and meekness, patience, forgiveness, I see love in there, even harmony or unity, it kind of reminds me of another list that we find uh, known as the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's known as the fruit of the Spirit in Scripture. It's the byproduct of living in the Spirit, of walking in the Spirit, of, uh, of uh, keeping in step with the Spirit of God. Because here's the reality, friends. We, we can say, okay, put off the vices of the flesh. Put on the virtues of the Spirit. Here's the hard part. How,
1: how you doing with that? For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Need prayer today? Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime and share your request with us. Click on Explore, then look for the How Can We Pray For You option. Is the Bible intimidating
0: for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time. But let's face it. It can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volume 1, based on the 39 books of the Old Testament, is now available, and I'd like to send you a copy. Here's
1: Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The digital library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 eBooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to reading this important book. I know I am. Talk about some of the challenges you faced as you put this project together and tell us why this two-volume book can be such a great resource for those listening right now.
0: Brian, I knew the ultimate road trip through the Bible would be a pretty big challenge to write as a two-volume set, as challenging to write as the Bible is intimidating for some people to read. But it was truly a labor of love, as is reading God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. I'm hopeful that these resources will show the readers just how beautifully the whole of the Bible fits together into an inspired and
1: unified love letter from God to every member of His creation. Thanks, Pastor Ron. Stop by SomethingGoodRadio.org to order Volume 1 of this great resource for your gift of $30 or more. Or call our offices. The number is 757-276-1099. If you'd like to mail your check, our address is P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456.
0: You're also loved or beloved, you're in the beloved. Anybody here just need to remember again and be reminded that God loves you? Maybe you've had a hard week and you don't feel very loved today, but God doesn't love you more today than he did yesterday. He doesn't love you more or less because of what you did or
1: didn't do because of how you performed well or didn't perform well. He just loves you. God doesn't love you because he loves you in spite of. Coming your way tomorrow, Part two of Ron's message, putting on your new self. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.